0: This is the morning brief from the Economic Times.
1: It was the buzzword throughout the pandemic. No, not Dolo, but rather the sector that everyone believed would change the way India learns. And our mommies and
2: daddies, so let our children fall in love with learning.
1: Top educator Sisi Unacademy data held life classes by India's top educators for over 30 exams. Unacademy. Let's
2: crack it. KHOLO.
1: Schools were shut and overnight children were forced to transition to an online mode of learning. But it wasn't just children, even people like me. Who suddenly had more time on their hands and no auto drivers to argue with took up different online courses. I, for one, learned script writing, but with work from office resuming, I've not had the time to sign up for another course. I'm sure you must be grappling with the same issues. Schools have also reopened, schedules have become packed, and registrations for online classes have crumbled. This explains why EdTech Titans who are the darlings of the venture capitalists, are reporting abysmal financial numbers, some even declaring bankruptcy, sacking staff, or even forcing teachers to double up as sales agents. From misgovernance to audit lapses, from failed m and to unhappy parents, EdTech is the sector in focus. But for all the wrong reasons. So, we at ET are also asking if the EdTech bubble has burst and more importantly, where do these companies go from here? We get you the buzz from the ground.
3: Whether Baiju can still raise at a higher valuation or at a lower valuation and that will have a cascading effect for other EdTech
0: companies. There will be more shutdowns and then there will be a lot of scaling down.
1: And a view from an avid EdTech investor
0: at a fundamental level, as I mentioned, that
2: this was too much of capital. Everyone wanted to look at high growth. And remember, end of the day, education is a very patient business.
1: It's Thursday, September 22nd. I'm your host, Diyar Rekhi, and you are listening to EdTech Funding to Failing. It's not adding up on The Morning Brief. Let's start from Chapter 1 and then figure how a lot of these EdTech firms got to Chapter 11. I'm joined by my colleagues at ET, Digbijay Mishra and Tarush Bala, who in many ways are the go-to people when it comes to all things startups, and more specifically, edtech startups. They've been tracking the space with a hawk's eye, and I'm here to pick their brains a little and find out all that's happening. Thank you, Digbijay and Tarush. I just want to start off by first asking you, Digbijay, What's the industry buzz like? I mean, is there fear? Is this whole, the bubble is bursting sentiment looming large? Or do you just see that it's now a new reality of realistic business models kicking in?
3: Hi, dear. Thank you for having us. I think globally, as well as in India, what's happening with startups, not just epic startups, especially in the late stage startups, There are corrections happening in how business models are evaluated. What are the priorities for investors as well as companies? All of that has changed. And what you're seeing is the pressing demand and the pressure Baiju faced over the last two, three months especially is an outcome of that. So yeah, I would say it's a combination of things that kind of led to it.
1: Right. Right. But you know, Digvijay, when we're talking about the concerns at the moment, if I had to ask yeah. you what the three main concerns are, is it high valuations? Is it people going back to you know, school or getting back to work? Or What are the big concerns at the moment when it comes to edtech?
3: I think still there is a lot of demand for online education. In terms of valuation, I think the jury is still out. But I think even if you compare FY21 or the unaudited FY22 numbers, Baidu's valuation is still pretty high. Now, what will happen to Baidu's valuation, we'll only know once it closes its next round of funding, which also has been in the works for some time. But I think this audited results was a major hurdle in, in, in that whole journey. Now, how investors view the FY21 results and the unaudited FY22 results and the projections for FY23. A mix of these factors will give us a sense of what that New round could possibly be at. And I think that will be a major development on whether Baiju can still raise at a higher valuation or at a lower valuation. And that will have a cascading effect for other EdTech companies as well.
1: What about that 800 million funding round that was announced in March? Has that finally closed for Baiju's?
3: In a way, yes, the round has closed, but at least it's 300 million less than what was announced. Uh, as two of the investors, money was due for a while. And based on our understanding, that money is not going to come. And the conversations that Baiju's is currently has had with multiple investors is for a new round. Now, whether that closes or at what price it closes, I think that will be more interesting to uh, see. Because after all this, I, I mean, Baiju... Ravindran, the founder, told us in an interview that investors do not care about FY21 numbers and they are only keen to know about FY22 and FY23 numbers. But yeah, I think I think it still will be uh, very crucial to see that if this round at all happens, at what price is it happening? And that will have an effect not only on edtech startup but other late stage startups as well.
1: Tarush, you've been covering these companies very closely and I remember reading all the stories that you had written about layoffs and so on. Could you give our listeners a sense of whether you believe that this is just a matter of, you know, a survival of the fittest in a sense?
0: Sure, thanks for having me, India. So I think that clearly that the carnage is on for Indian EdTech uh, in a big way. One is that this is a period of slowdown for the Indian startup ecosystem. So... It's not just EdTech that's laying off, but there are a lot of other companies, including, you know, larger unicorns, which are, you know, looking at layoffs to kind of correct costs or, uh, you know, to kind of increase their runway. This is a bearish market and not the correct market to kind of uh, raise funds. Uh, Having said that, coming to EdTech, obviously, you know, FI20 and FI21 was a dream run for most of the EdTechs in the country, right? But now, I think the reality is far, far different. For instance, K-12 is not showing any growth uh, by an industry, especially on the online education side. Uh, when we compare it why and why, the growth that the pandemic brought has completely been wiped away. We can see that in uh, a lot of numbers. We can see that in uh, companies like Unacademy taking the move to step away from that category completely and shut down uh, that side of the business. I think more than layoffs, I would see a lot of companies now uh, scaling down their ambitions. Some of the investors I was talking to were saying that this is not the bottom of it. There's going to be a lot more um, look at organic growth, especially when you know there is a fire to douse in your own house. So I think that that's something that uh, will play out. There will be more shutdowns and then tail downs and moving out, so different categories playing out in the industry. Until uh, the flavors back towards EdTech.
1: Right. You briefly mentioned about different categories, right? You have K 12, you have test prep, you have higher education, you have competitive exams. And a lot of these companies were kind of venturing into various categories, right? And do you think that kind of came in the way? And how do you see things going forward?
0: Yes, there is. There has been. Different companies which have forayed into different categories. And now I think everybody's stepping on for each other's shoes a certain way, right? But as I said before, this will particularly be a test of how good are you in your core category. The writing is out on the wall that it's going to be very difficult to scale another category while you're dabbling with profitability, uh, with increase in unit economics, also while there is an entire wave of you know growth of degrowth rather i would say uh, you know in the industry towards online education it's going to be tough and it's going to be very difficult for uh, companies to dabble multiple categories all at once
1: you actually brought me to my next question which is for both of you actually and that's about acquisitions we've seen so many companies in this space go on this acquisition spree almost so have they managed to integrate them well? Digvijay? you want to go first?
3: So are, the answer will be, be around the financial aspects of it. In terms of integration, we haven't seen major issues apart from one issue that I know that just like what Anacademy was facing about teachers. I think Akash hmm. has also seen that a bit. But uh, right. that is again something outcome of what the market has seen because there's a lot of demand for good teachers. But there is a payment issue and all that stuff, but there is no integration issue as such because great learning oh. uh, has been okay. Their biggest problem has been White Hat Junior, which continues to be so. But that is, again, quite an old acquisition. Again, it's not an integration issue, more of what the brand did about its product.
0: So there mm. are no integration issues as such for Baiju's. Right. I think generally acquisitions are tough. And I think if you would go around the room to a group of founders, they would all say that acquisitions have been very difficult uh, generally. I think it's the writing is still to be on the wall in terms of you know what acquisition has worked and what acquisition has not worked for a particular group. We are still just assessing the Baiju results, right, in terms of the load of acquisitions that they've done, right? How will that contribute in the future? But I think as Digvijay said, the Whitehead Junior. Acquisition helped them to go international, right? Helped them to kind of bring in newer uh, this things to Latin America and some of the other markets uh, through coding, music, math that they were looking at. So, yeah, mm. so it's still to be seen as to whether you have the funding to scale it and, uh, you know, how serious are you about that category at present?
1: Another aspect that I wanted to get your opinion on is this whole FLDGs matter, which is first loss default guarantees, right? They're very popular in this space, but we've seen that the RBI is not really comfortable with this FLDG concept. So if the regulator comes down heavily on FLDGs, how could this impact these players?
0: While the last final wordings are still to be out, the sense is that, you know, Even if FLDG exists, what is the form, shape and form that it will be? The biggest question here is if Baidu's is giving FLDG, is it an edtech or is it a fintech, which does it come under the regulator or is it going to be the financial partners which will be, you know, Mm. somewhere being accountable for even accepting the FLDG there? So this is a very gray area for Baidu's, which it has to address. And I think that loans is a way to grow the business because it allows customers to buy more in the e-commerce world and also maybe avail more in the tech world is what Baidu's belief is rather. Yeah, I think there
3: is one really interesting figure. about. I think it's more than 1,100 crore or close to 1,200 crore, which has not been added to FY21's financials in revenue because they were given on credit. uh, Mm -hmm. And also The sense I got after talking to people also about what that auditor's note meant, while it means that there is still a possibility that a lot of these payments might be made in FY22, but the note did mention that Baiju's and its parent company wasn't sure if these collections were actually possible to be made. I think it's an important factor that almost 1,200 crores of products and services were sold through these loans. And Mm. Baiju is the FLPG provider on this. So it will be interesting to see what happens to... to
1: Do you think players will have to move to a per month subscription model and provide easier opt-outs now with the current environment? You know, with everything Tarush said about children going back to school, professionals getting back to office and so on. Is that the way forward for EdTech?
3: We haven't seen that yet from uh, from mm. the from some of the largest companies because these are also sold on a at least quarterly or, or a half yearly basis minimum. see I think the right. issue is not about yearly or uh, biannual. The problem here was that companies where the Baiju was recording three years revenue course as in, in that one year so that is what led to this whole audit drama right? That is something which was number one problem. The second problem, from a consumer perspective, was that even if you know parents were sort of doing it on a trial basis or doing it for a month or two, they didn't realize, and they ended up signing up for two years. So, and that is where the whole mis-selling part comes, which I still feel that it's a bigger concern. Government has been talking about it even if they get their accounts in order i think that is still something byjus as well as other companies need to sort out i think that remains very big concern for for a broader range of audience in in our country because how these courses are sold parents are obviously you know they want the best for their kids and i think that is something byjus as well as other companies need to now work on
1: These were our in-house experts, but we wanted to give you an idea of how investors are feeling from an EdTech investor himself. We have with us Amit Ratanpal, founder and managing director of Blink Invest, which is an India-based venture capital fund committed to funding EdTech and FinTech startups. He tells us why he is optimistic about the India EdTech story. Do you think whatever's happening in the edtech space now is sort of like a rough lesson that investors are having to deal
2: with? Well, it's I would say education. We are going through an interesting time, and and as you would see, the last two years there was almost a seven plus billion dollars have been raised across uh, multiple companies, and there were some large companies which have raised billions of dollars. And obviously, you know, everyone's were expecting the valuation will go down up and there are some differences in what we are seeing as we speak. But at the same time, if you really look at the education sector, it's always has been focused on specific on outcomes, right? And that is, I think, the biggest learning of of last two years or three years have been as we see uh, different companies going through different challenges as well.
1: Right. But would you say that this is this classic case of, you know, much money being pumped into the system, and there's no real viable business model. Or do you attribute the fault to something else?
2: Well, there are many things which one has to look at. Uh, you know, during this last two to three years, one obviously you rightly mentioned there's too much of money that was chasing a few selected companies. As the money getting pumped in the following companies, the valuations went up. And when your, your valuations are high, uh, what you need to do is, is justify the revenue. You know, behind it and that was the virality or the challenges which one through went through it and during this time people thought that just by spending money on digital marketing or or merely acquiring revenue we can really grow the business but that's not really true because end of the day uh, one has to look at outcome and lastly i think during this two three years if you see during this pandemic everything was online so everyone thought that world is connected now because you know you can switch on Zoom or any of your devices, and you can talk to anyone, and you can connect everyone and every parts of the world. And that's where I think a lot of players thought that it's now going to be a global business. And that's where again, you know, the challenges started coming in because when you enter to different markets, there are different requirements, different nuances, different education uh, learning curve. And I think there was a less of a research and justifying the valuations is, is what happened in the last few years and that's what we are seeing as the result of current situation.
1: China banned profit for education models in 2021 and suddenly all of these funds which had so much cash to deploy had no companies to put their money in and would it be right to say that many of them ended up you know, chasing Indian companies as a result of no choices in China?
2: Yes, to an extent, I would definitely say yes to that, because that's why you know we saw a lot of a large amount of capital, you know, came into India, specifically in the education sector. So to that extent, yes, I, I would definitely uh, you know agree that this is a capital which they couldn't invest into China and that already your mark uh, for the education sector, it came to India. At the same time, uh, I think it's is a combination when a lot of Indian company you know thought that they can go global and the overall of Indian companies able to reach out to millions and people across the globe you know that's the dream which everyone thought would be a reality as well so it's 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 a combination of both i would say
1: sure when we're speaking about business models and companies looking at a global audience and so on do you feel like somewhere along the line they lost track of what it probably was initially meant
2: for which is the indian audience right oh absolutely yes yeah and you are absolutely on no, the spot on on this so this is where I think the challenges came that once when you make a content for which is for India and that you start and you find that content is working great or your particular product is working great, they just thought that audience in the US or Europe or even Asia will use the same content. But as we know that different countries will have different language, different education system, different way of learning and different approaches as well. And that I think fundamentally was been missed. So what happened during this two years, three years is that you know, you entered in a market and what traditionally one would do is do a pilot test, do a beta test saying that, hey, is this what the audience want? Is this what the expectation is? Is it meeting the requirement? And because most of the companies were flush with funds, they thought that, you know, let us skip this two, three basic process of, of going into a different market and just jump and, and can we, you know, quickly garner the audience and, and revenue and all this. Unfortunately, that is something which didn't happen.
1: Right, and you know you're someone who's so involved in this space. Do you see this coming?
2: Well, it's it's been very very interesting days and early days. As you know, we at Blink Invest we invest into education and financial services. And right. in 2020, uh, when we were looking at the deals, at that point of time, uh, you know, we thought that a company which is doing about few crores of revenue should be ideally valued between you know, let's say. Five to ten million dollars, or maybe fifteen million dollars, and suddenly, in the few months' time, the things completely change. A company which is at seed stage, stage, were raising between five to ten million dollars, and if you have got some traction, they were raising between fifteen to twenty million dollars. And and we really, you know, were a little surprised at that point of time. But we also thought, yes, you know, some of the businesses are fundamental businesses, and hopefully, their valuation would be justified. But as we went along, and and we were right in the middle of the pandemic, that's the time we said, you know what. This is not what the reality is because no one spoke about outcome. No one spoke about customer first. No one spoke about why a customer is going to buy this. What is the need of it? Is it only going to be online? And some of the basic questions we asked that, what is going to be offline? What would happen if we go offline? A lot of things were unanswered. And, and that's where we became become jittery. And then we were very clear that this is not the future is or it's not sustainable. And if you really see from our fund perspective, uh, we have not made any investment in the education sector in the last, I would say, 18 months. But this is a good time for us to look at some real good companies with real outcomes as well.
1: Right. More specifically, when we're speaking about Baiju's, their way of calculating accounts has come under scrutiny, right? So when we speak about these companies, what do you think went wrong with, say, Baiju's?
2: Well, I think it's going to the basics uh, that A, when you raise too much of money and, and you have already been valued very high. And and you know what, uh, I would say that even the investors are equally to be part of this because when someone comes with a larger check and a higher valuation as a promoter, I would definitely say yes to it, right? And and that's what happened now. Obviously, when you are raising money and your valuations are you know high, then you need to justify the revenue.
1: Would you say it's the same for Lido or… Would those differences come in? I mean, was there a difference between the two?
2: I think there are different business models. I think end of the day at is that uh, most of the companies during this particular phase uh, just focus on growth uh, by just spending on digital spending. And, and uh, they just thought that by acquiring a customer and higher spending and going online is the only way about. At some point of time, they thought they will get the tag down. But there was no clear direction on how to reduce the cost or there was no clear direction on the profitability of the company or or how to, is this particular business sustainable or not? So I think each company went through their own challenges, but at a fundamental level, as I mentioned, that this was too much of capital. Everyone wanted to look at high growth. And remember, end of the day, education is a very patient business. The gratification takes a while, right? It takes about 12 months for our daughter or my son to move to a next class. So that's the patience which we have to you know, look at it. From that lens, it's not a daily outcome where we like, we have some food and we say, okay, it's good or bad, right?
1: When you talk about the players and what they will have to move towards as a model, do you think this whole per month subscription model is going to come into play and maybe easier opt-outs as an option as well?
2: Again, I'm differentiating between the finance and outcome, right? In general, Indians were ready to pay everything for a good quality education because they wanted their child to move at the next level. So I believe that ultimately it is not about the financing model, but ultimately what you'll have to focus is that are you providing the quality? Are you providing the promises? Are you providing the outcome which is required? And that, in my view, is is important.
1: Sure. If you had to talk about whether Indian EdTech can recover from everything that it's going through right now, what would your answer be?
2: They focus on the fundamental of business, which we have been always looking at. And that means that education is a patient's business. For example, if it's a skill education, what is the outcome? The outcome is very simple. Hey, I should get a job and I should be able to sustain myself in a job. You may get entry in the job just because you passed from an institution, but even sustainability in that institution is important and that's where the quality of the outcome is important. If we talk about K-12, it uh, you know, it is not only about Scoring high marks in, in your grade 10, 12, or kicking into the competitive examination. But are you ready with your future skills? Are you ready with your or those skills where or the life skills where you are ready to face the outside world? So that are, again, you know, one should focus on. Third out here is that don't go overboard on just chasing revenue. Think about revenue, cash flow, and profit. Think about that: can you create something which is sustainable?
1: Right. Now. As a VC, do you see yourself pumping in money into the space right now? How do you see the larger landscape also reacting to everything that's happening? I mean, you mentioned that you haven't put your money in an edtech firm for the last 18 months, if I'm not mistaken. So is that going to change now for you? But what about the broader landscape?
2: A lot of people within the VC world or even the PE world are sort of watching you know, the tide and, and being sort of unsure. At the same time, this is a good time where we have seen a lot of these larger funds who have got long-term assets are also looking at consolidation in this market. Or even, you know, they're seeing that if good quality businesses are available at a relatively reasonable valuation and and people are entering into it as well. But yes, in general, people are taking a slightly cautious sort of approach while we're talking about investing in the education sector.
1: Lastly, if I were to ask you to summarize, would you say you're optimistic about the future of EdTech in India?
2: And if yes, then why? Well, I think the answer is uh, very simple for me. Uh, I'm a product of education. I'm today is because I've you know done my education. So this is definitely a fundamental and I think no one can change it. Uh, large population, high disposable income, skilling requirement, new education policy, all this together clearly shows a way that Education is still a very, very large opportunity in India. Um, it's a patient business. You can't create it overnight. I mean it takes ages and, and you'll have need a little bit of patience and do the basics right. And I'm sure that uh, some of the learnings which we had, most of it will get utilized to, the not-to-do list will become more clear and more prominent and saying that hey, is this the focus business you're creating? Are you creating a business which is so diversified that you have moved away from the core uh, are you creating a revenue cash for profit? Are you just buying revenue? Are you you know, only focusing on paying money uh, on digital marketing? And also, I think there will be a lot of learning, which I'm sure people will learn from the past experiences. And I, I do believe that the future is going to be very, very interesting and positive for all of us.
1: Our guests did feel that some semblance of reality was setting into the edtech sector, much like other startups that had a dream run through the pandemic. What is clear, though, is that with the once shining star of the space by Jews reporting lackluster numbers, some of the sheen of the edtech sector has worn off. And while the larger edtech story in India is one of tremendous promise, in order to tap that potential, companies will have to do a lot more than just advertise. They will have to walk the talk when it comes to providing quality education and learning resources. Outcomes are crucial and we'll have to see if Indian EdTech passes the test. Till then, maybe I can find a creative writing course that suits my current schedule, and you can keep tuning in to The Morning Brief to learn all that's happening in the world of business and more. Thank you, Amit, Digvijay, and Tarush. I'm your host, Diya and you are listening to EdTech Funding to Failing. It's not adding up on The Morning Brief. Credits? This episode was produced by Vinay Joshi, sound designer Indra Neil executive producers Anupriya Bahadur and Adijit Barman. Do like and share this episode on your social media. Tune in to etplay.com, our latest platform for all audio content, including The Morning Brief. The Morning Brief is also available on Amazon Prime Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify and GeoSavan. The Morning Brief drops every Tuesday, Thursday and Friday. All external sound clips used in this episode belong to their respective owners. Credits are mentioned in the description.